Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right, welcome back into Buffalo Football Monday. Glad to have you with us here on WGR. This special, very special New Year's Day edition of the Shope and the Bulldog Show. Sands Mike Shope, a late scratch from the program. We hope he'll be back with us tomorrow. Happy to find out earlier today that Eric Wood will be a part of this. When when I found out last week we were going to be on, I thought, well, we probably won't have Eric. I mean, he, he's such a big shot. He's not going to work on New Year's Day. But here he is, Eric Wood on the Western Hotline. Hi, Eric. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm here for you, Bulldog. I wouldn't leave you hanging here. I love it. Love it. Um, so, yesterday, you, you've got a game where you're taking the ball away like crazy, and but it's still sort of nip and tuck. I mean, the Bills did have a 14-point lead for a, a decent amount of time, or 13-point lead for a decent amount of time there. Um, but still, the game was tighter than you would have wanted it. Like, what is that like as a player when you know – like you should be ahead by you know two or three touchdowns or something, but you look up at the scoreboard and it's a six-point game. Well, uh, this version of the Bills teams these last few years are uh, used to blowing teams out a lot more than we were during my time with the Bills. But I will say this: these last couple weeks, they're playing teams that are eliminated from the playoffs, and I've been on that end of things where you're playing those games at the end. And look, as a player, you're playing for pride. You're playing for your job, for a future contract. And when you let those teams hang around, well, then they get some confidence, they get some energy, and then they say, okay, let's spoil this team's season here. And, you know, two weeks ago they fell down 10 to nothing against the Chargers, and they were in a dogfight throughout that game. Yesterday they fell down 7 to nothing after the opening kickoff and then can't fully take advantage of those turnovers. They just go two for five, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. They come into the game, the Bills, number one in the NFL in – scoring touchdowns in the red zone, just two for five yesterday. Josh Allen starts the game one for eight throwing. So a sloppy day offensively for the Bills, but the defense, you know, got him the lead essentially for Sewell Douglas almost by himself. So you find a way to win, and that's what good teams do. You know, they could have just made it a lot easier on themselves these last couple weeks if they were able to jump on these teams early and get them in that here-we-go-again mode. How how much do you pay attention when, 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 obviously, when you were a player, I, I, I would guess it's, it's, it would have been 
different than as a broadcaster now. Um, like you're you're watching this game as a broadcaster, Eric, and you're calling the game, which is very different than me watching the game at home in my living room or at the stadium, whatever. But you know, because you're calling the action. But like, were you were you uneasy? And has this year sort of brought back the frequency of that uneasiness, if you know what I mean? Because as the Bills ascended, like maybe midway through the 20 season, they got good. Me watching games, the experience, almost no matter what in the game, be like, oh, they'll, they'll figure this out. They got it. They're good. They're talented. The quarterback's great. The co- whatever. They're, they got it. And now this year, with some of the missteps they've had, I get a game like yesterday, and it feels like, I don't know. There's ghosts that are 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 chirping me because I'm I'm worried that the Bills are going to find a way to screw it up again. H- has that been a ride for you at all, or is it completely not even a thought because you're calling the game? I'll say this: early in the season, the Jets game, the Broncos game, the Patriots game. Throughout that, I'm just thinking, okay, we're going to find a way to win. We've done that over the last few years. The defense will get a stop late if we have to get the ball back and give up the lead. We'll get a score late and. The Bills will find a way to win this one. They're so much better than these teams uh, on paper, especially when Aaron Rodgers goes out of that first game. Well, they found ways to lose them, and I'm kind of with you these last two weeks, just understanding what was at stake, too. Man, I, I left the stadium both times, like almost with a uneasy feeling in my stomach, like, man, that could have been, been it. <laughs> like, that could have that ended this right. season in a really bad fashion. Not like you lose at Kansas City on a heartbreaker, which we get that win, but – that would have been a little different than if you lose to a Chargers team that's eliminated from the playoffs and have an interim head coach and just got blown out by the Raiders, or you lose to this Patriots team that they're reeling and, you know, yeah. some of the organizations probably hoping they get a top two pick and not even win these games. So, yes, I, I'm with you there a little bit. I, I wonder, too, Eric, you know, um, you know the, the, the ride this has been for them, like how – like. If 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 they have the same the same feelings at all, right? Are, are is their confidence shook? Like when you get a game like yesterday, where you know, Allen just can't seem to get on track. Like I, I wonder if if they if they've got some ghosts of their own that they're dealing with. Potentially, and and I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know those conversations or those thoughts. And and that's certainly a possibility. I'll say this. The way the defense has played over these last four or five weeks, um, you know, kind of outside that Philly game in the second half, they played really good football. Rasul Douglas has made a difference on the back end. They've gotten healthier up front. Bernard and Dotson's improved throughout this season. And so, uh, and they've also implemented that dime defense that has made a, a, a difference in, in some of the obvious passing situations. So I feel like they're playing better defensively. You switch at offensive coordinator which gave him some energy. It gave him a spark uh, on that side of the football. So I think enough's changed that you're not looking back earlier in the season and saying, well, this, this is just like Denver. You know, we could give this one up late. And so um, I would imagine that's the case, but uh, not privy to those conversations being had. You know, you, you hear kind of matter-of-factly over all these years doing this job, Eric, and, and I made this point already uh, earlier today that I've heard it a lot about the hockey team through my lifetime. Uh, oh, they play down. They play down to the competition. And when you, you've got a good football team that struggles against an opponent that's below 500 or eliminated from the playoffs already, you hear those same kinds of things. 
I feel like this year's Bills team might be the the, the closest to me believing that a team is actually doing that as I've ever seen. I, I've sort of pushed back against that usually because I think, you know, often even the bad teams are better than we think and any given Sunday and all that kind of thing. But I, I wonder, like, have you ever experienced – like a team that you felt like was was playing down to the competition, and do you think that that is a real thing? Uh, I certainly think there's there's times, especially in the National Football League, that you're more emotional going into a game, whether it's the you know the circumstances with it, what's at stake, uh, playoff wise, or you know individually as a player going back to play against your former team or at your hometown. Certainly, there's. You, you know, there's different levels of emotion which can impact, you know, kind of how you show up for a game. Um, I, you know, this year, there's a lot of parity in the NFL. I mean, every time we're ready to crown someone as the most dominant team in the NFL or this is the top five, it just seems like they just get picked off one after the other or they play a tight game against the Chargers like the Bills a couple weeks ago or a tight game against the Patriots. And I think it's a combination of there's a lot of parity in the NFL right now. And when you're looking at this Bills team specifically, especially through that middle part of the season where they were just dealing with such a rash of injuries that I don't know that it's them necessarily not taking an opponent serious, which would allow you to, you know, play down to your competition. Uh, I think especially through that middle part of the season, it was, you know, a, a depleted roster in certain areas. Yeah, boy, I, I mentioned earlier the, the impact of Douglas. I, I don't know at this point, you probably could overstate it, but it would be hard. I think you'd have to really work to overstate the impact he's had. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll stop short of saving their season, but he's become the number one corner on this team, and this was a team that was crying out for that. I mean, nothing against the guys that were left behind after White got, got hurt again for a second time in three years, but, man, Douglas is looking like – like the most impactful trade made at the deadline. Yeah, he's he's a playmaker. You know, look, Dane Jackson, a very solid cornerback in this league. Christian Benford as well. We'll see what we get from Elam, but they're not necessarily at this stage of their career ball hawks like Rasul Douglas is. He's a playmaker. Cornerbacks that are playmakers do stuff like Rasul Douglas did on third down on that pick six. He's, he's barely even watching the receiver. He knows there's a pressure. He knows Mac Jones has to get it out quick. And he's just praying he comes to his side of the field. He's about eight yards off the ball, you know, just before the stick. So if it's a quick throw, you can rally to the football. And he's just watching him. And he knows what their hot should be. And he mm-hmm. runs it for the receiver. The receiver doesn't even run the hot route. I mean, you know, he just, he's got supreme confidence. He's playing at a high level right now. Um, I loved his description of, uh, his interception that didn't go for a touchdown when he said, well, you know, when they show motion away, generally they're going uh, – Mac Jones, or uh, sorry, Bailey Zappi likes to come back to that uh, backside slant. You know, he's talking about his film preparation, which allows him to make those plays. You combine the preparation with the confidence that he has right now and then his obvious skill, and he's just playing at an extremely high level right now. I found out from the CBS telecast watching at home, Eric, that Sean McDermott did not want the Miami-Baltimore score shown on the out-of-town scoreboard in the stadium. And I think this is a much much less of a big deal 
in the current era because anybody well, I shouldn't say anybody surely there are people there who don't have cell phones uh but well, they could the, ask the person next to them though right right because surely there's not not two people sitting next to one another who don't have phones. so you can always find out if you need to find out as a as a player would you appreciate that McDermott is trying to make, you know, make, you know, we all know what the point is. Focus on this. We don't need to worry about what's going on there because you need to just take care of your business. But wouldn't there still be a curiosity if you're sitting on the bench in the third quarter? Like, I wonder what's happening with Miami and Baltimore. Like, what did you make of the decision to not put that score on the out-of-town scoreboard at the stadium yesterday? Yeah, there would naturally be a curiosity, and that's the main reason – uh, I'm sure Sean McDermott didn't want it on the scoreboard because in that time that you're sitting there preparing for that next drive, you could be uh, sitting there watching the scoreboard. Now, you know, on my end of things, we were tracking the game. We were giving updates to, through the radio broadcast through the game because we were fully invested in it. It's a enormous deal if the Bills are able to get to the two seed and Baltimore surely took care of business yesterday. Um, Miami did that to us in 2017, that final game of the season, New Year's Eve, when we won and then found out we were going to the playoffs. They weren't showing any of the out-of-town scores that impacted um, our playoff chances. And so, um, you know, and, and Sean McDermott probably liked it at the time there too, so we weren't worried about it. But I do remember there was a time where we were going to the bench after we scored a touchdown, we got up two scores, later in the game. Well, I wasn't on the PAT team. Generally, the center will be on the PAT team. So I'm the only one down at that end of the bench because everyone else is on the field. And I looked into the crowd and got a score update on the Baltimore-Cincinnati <laughs> game from one of the fans. Like, look, I, I'm mature enough to handle my business here. You know, we got, <laughs> yeah. we got, a, PA, we got a PAT coming on. Let me know what the score is. And I, I probably told a couple people, but I didn't spread it around the entire team. Right. I, I ask only because I wonder if I, I know we're talking about grownups here, um, but I wonder if not having the score there wouldn't create a distraction in and of itself because you, you, you'd want to know what it is. Like, it, at least if it's there, you can look up and go like, OK, and, you know, but if you have no way to find out, I mean, one of two things can happen. One, you can be an adult and just ignore it because you know you're not going to find out looking up there. The other is you could be distracted by wanting to know what the score is. No, I see your point there 100%, and I'm sure that was addressed before the game was shot. Like, hey, don't even worry about it. Like, and, and definitely see your point there. With this being, you know, it impacted whether or not the Bills had a chance to win the division next week in Miami, not necessarily fully their playoff chances. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's where I think those guys could compartmentalize it, you know, through those four quarters, say, hey, let's lock in here. Let's just worry about this. And, you know, not that the entire three hours of an NFL game, you're 100% locked in at the task at hand. I, I don't have the mental capacity for that. But for a majority <laughs> of the game, you're either playing and preparing for the next series or – you know, you're looking at the cards from the previous series where you're looking at the plays, you're talking about the adjustments. I might be walking down to the quarterback and saying, you know, hey, you're, you held your cadence on the one and, you know, we got a late jump. You know, there's a lot going on to where right. there's, not a, just, there's just not a ton of time to kind of stew over it.
Just so we're clear, I, I'm not bringing it up because I, I think it was impactful. It's more of a curiosity to me, uh, the mindset of the, of the player or the former player, like I'm asking you. Eric Wood on the Western Hotline with us here for a few more minutes going over yesterday's win over the Patriots and looking forward to Sunday night showdown with Miami. A couple other things from yesterday, or maybe just one other thing. We'll see um, how many more I can think of before we get to the Dolphin game and this coming Sunday night. Ed Oliver, Eric. Uh, I said earlier already today that for for every time we've heard about a guy getting a new contract and just sort of disappearing, um, which, you know, is emotionally and mentally understandable, like you you get the contract of a lifetime, like, okay, I made it. Um, Oliver has done the opposite. Like he's having his best year after getting the contract, and I just think that's such a credit to him. It truly is. I mean, he's playing at at an extremely high level. I mean – to the point of he gets that interception on the first play of the game because he's chasing down the field to try and make a tackle. You know, he, he doesn't know that that ball's tipped up in the air. He's rushing the passer, immediately turn around and sprinting, and that's what even gives him the opportunity to make the interception on the Patriots' first play. He's, he's playing at a very high level right now, and the fact that you combine the fact that Daquan Jones is now back next to him, that's as, that's as good of a defensive tackle duo in the middle of the field um, is, is you're going to find the league right now. I mean, those two guys, uh, assuming that Daquan can get back to playing like he was at the beginning of the season, that's a really good defensive tackle duo. But, you know, throughout my career, when we would talk about opposing teams' defensive lines, we'd say, hey, look, this guy's really good, this guy's really good, here's what they do well. Oh, and this guy's in a contract year, so he's going to try really hard. <laughs> right. right. I mean, and, and I'm being completely honest. Like, each and every week, we would know who's in a contract year, because those guys are looking to get sacked. So, you know what? On a play-action play, you might have to take a regular pass set and not try and run block him and fool him. Because he's probably rushing the passer anyways, understanding that if he can get two more sacks, that might equal three more extra million dollars in salary a year. And so, um, yeah, the fact that he has continued to play at, with a lot of effort, but then also whether it's experience or, you know, whatever it is, he's producing at a higher level this year as well. What sort of player, when you, because I mean, that's that's who you defended against, obviously, playing play center. Um, Oliver is a smaller guy for that position and quickness and penetration. Uh, Jones isn't exactly a space eater because uh, he, he had a lot of success earlier this year penetrating. Uh, so as a tandem, they're interesting. But which do you prefer, like, the uh, going up against? Like, what's more challenging? I mean, I'm sure they're different, but the, the quick, speedy guy or, like, the 340-pound just sort of man-mountain double-team eater? No, give me the big slug all day. And we might not move him off the ball a whole lot, but he's not going to embarrass me. And look, if I don't get a ton of movement in the run game throughout the day, uh, I'm probably not going to get criticized in meetings the next day that hard. Um, I had to learn quickly when I got to the NFL that oftentimes a stalemate at the line of scrimmage is a really good play. Where they're not in the backfield, you know, you didn't drop them five yards off the ball like you might have in college, but if you try and use too much momentum, you're probably going to fall on your face and they're going to use your momentum against you. And so give me one of those big slugs that I can just grab onto as opposed to a guy like Ed Oliver or an Aaron Donald or a J.J. Watt that can move laterally so fast and just completely embarrass you throughout a game. On Allen's game, before we move on to the Miami game and the time we've got left here, Eric, um, what, 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 how, how concern level? Um, I just thought maybe he wasn't sharp. 
period. I mean, I, the New England had some interesting pressures, and it's a good defense. But I also thought, objectively, Allen just missed some throws we're used to seeing him make. Um, what, what did you take away from Allen's day? Yeah, he started off one for eight on the day. He was 0 for 6 to start the game. Some of that's drops, and then it, it looked like misfires. And generally, when I call it a misfire, I, I, I like to give you know the disclaimer that it could be a miscommunication. The receiver could have run that route two yards off, and Josh is putting where he thinks he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But there was misfires early and really throughout that game, and. You know, Josh said afterwards, you know, I threw it like crap today. And so I'll just assume that those were on him. He might be, you know, just eating the blame himself, which is fine too. But, yeah, the passing game did not produce yesterday. It didn't look very sharp against the Chargers. I think there are some positives. Khalil Shakir continues to make plays, and especially on third downs. Dalton Kincaid had kind of his first big play of the season. These last two games they've been inches away from just bombs to digs that – you know, might have added, you know, 160 yards to his total on the year if they connect on those two. And so there's, there is glimpses, but, you know, these wide receiver screens, they're continuing to run on the outside, haven't produced at a high level. There's been drops. Um, he doesn't have that much time under task throwing the ball to Sherfield in games. And it just seems like there's no connection there, especially during games. Gabe Davis made a couple nice plays yesterday and played well against the Chargers. There are some bright spots to it, but I'm, I'm sure you asked about it because it's in, when we talk about the passing game, if this Bills team is going to make a run at the Super Bowl, that's got to come around. And, you know, as of late, you know, in the Cowboys game, we said, look, they didn't need the passing game. They just <laughs> ran all over them. But then these last two weeks, it hasn't been, you know, Super Bowl caliber, let's call it. Yeah. They use some like Sean McDermott. Uh, terminology. I think that's. I think that's. Um, yeah, I think that's a very good way to put it. Super Bowl caliber. They did at least get. Allen did at least get a couple of good big third down throws on that final drive that helped them just bleed the clock out. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to tell you like that's momentum carrying into next week, but at least they need they needed plays there uh, and they got them when they needed them. Um, on digs on the wide receiver screen stuff. Um, I feel like we've touched on this sort of subject before, uh, and I'm not sure. Uh, if I'm barking up the wrong tree or not, but I I, I want to hope anyway that all the same we saw Diggs get a handoff yesterday and all these screens and stuff is just planting seeds to give teams something else to think about. You got to look at what they're doing with Diggs here, and maybe they can catch him and break one of these big ones like we saw the opportunity to do yesterday. Yeah, and, and, you know, when you have a number one receiver and a guy that you want to get the football to and they expect the football, a lot of times you're trying to get some, you know, just some rhythm throws early in the game, get them involved, let them know that, hey, you're a big part of this game plan. And I think back to my rookie year with Terrell Owens, hell, we might get him a, give him a reverse in the first couple of plays if we weren't confident in our quarterback play. Just say, hey, look, look how much of – of an impact you're going to have today. I actually love the handoff to Diggs because there's been a couple times this season where they've motioned him in the backfield and they just do it. So he's either matched up on a linebacker or someone can't, you know, jam him. And mm-hmm. then you hand the ball to him and you just steal eight yards in the red zone where yards are hard to come by. I actually really like that play call and would hope that either they get back to that play or heck even run a play action off it or something. I, yeah. I was excited about that one, but to me, there's something going on with Diggs, and I'm not sure exactly what it is. You know, maybe it was, you know, too much 
Diggs' involvement early on, and there was some wear and tear from that. But, you know, yesterday he only played 65% of the offensive snaps. To start the second half, he wasn't out there for any of the six-play touchdown drive. And then the following drive, he goes in. They miss the deep shot to him, and he's not out there for the next two plays, and the Bills punt the football away. And so, to me, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it is. Hopefully, you know, it's something minor physically where he can get back in the mix here. But, you know, it's just been – it's been – he's been off. I mean, I, yeah. I read this I read this, this morning. In his first nine games, seven touchdowns, 92 yards a game, and 11.9 yards per catch. Last seven games, one touchdown – 37 yards a game and 8.7 per catch. That's that's pretty drastic fall off. Yeah, it's been it's been week after week of like, okay, where's the where's the big game? When's the when's the big one coming? And it just still hasn't happened. Hopefully they're saving it for this one because this one means a lot, Eric. Obviously, uh, could be even all the marbles. We'll see if it's just some of the marbles, but obviously a huge stake, an opportunity to be the two seed and win the division. Stay at home for a couple of weeks if you can win that first playoff game. It's kind of the roadmap from 2020. Um, I don't know, just like your overview of how the Bills should be feeling going into this game with Miami. Yeah, I mean, you win four in a row and you earned your right to play for the division after all they went through this season with injuries and tough losses and, you know, all the adversity. Now you get a shot still to play for the division. Um, The Bills continue, it seems, to be getting healthier. You know, you get Micah Hyde back. You get A.J. Epinesa back. You get Daquan Jones back. No major injuries of note yesterday. And then on the opposite side of things, the Dolphins are just getting ravaged by injuries. I mean, you can run through their roster. I mean, Tua got his shoulder dinged up, and he said he's just sore. But, you know, both their top pass rushers, and Phillips and Chubb are out. Baker, their middle linebacker, he's out. Davian Howard gets hurt yesterday. On the offensive side of the ball, the O-line's dinged up. Moster missed the game. Waddle missed the game yesterday. He'll miss the game two weeks ago. It's just like they're getting crushed by injuries, and – you know, that, you know, when you look and the Bills are favored down there in Miami right now, I believe the injuries impact that as much as anything. For sure. Hey, real quick before you go, how, how surprised, if at all, were you about Von Miller being a healthy scratch? Um, Eric Washington's comments earlier in the week made it more surprising to me. Uh, to me, he just hasn't looked like himself. I thought, you know, kind of uh, right around that Giants game earlier in the season, I thought he was – starting to turn the corner, and then he gets the Patriots the following week. He only played, I believe, six snaps in the first yep. half. Didn't even have his helmet with him for the second half. And since then, I haven't seen much from him to where I almost feel like not that you need to put him on IR, but, okay, does two weeks or three weeks or giving him some time off away from the game, playing in the actual games, does that allow him to be maybe a factor in the playoffs to where he can get that knee back right or – physically be where he needs to be so it was surprising but you know after the game the last time they didn't say well Vaughn got hurt during the game and Vaughn well actually Vaughn gave the explanation he just said you know with the matchup and how they're running the football you know we didn't want to put me out there so with it being the Patriots again and that being said the last time I guess it was a little less surprising all right, Eric, thank you for this. Uh, happy New Year to you and the family, and we'll catch up with you after after this huge game next Sunday. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Happy New Year.
All right, there's Eric Wood on the West Her Hotline, his weekly visit with us here, part of Buffalo Football Monday, brought to you by Northwest Bank. For what's next, get started at northwest.com. By Arthur Pressman, your DWI and traffic attorney, don't mail it in. By Northtown Automotive, whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at Northtown. And by the Good Feet Store, don't just live with foot pain. Visit the Good Feet Store on Walden today. We'll take a timeout here and fire up some phone calls if you guys are into it. 803-0550, anything that Eric and I just talked about on the table, really anything. Vibes check, anything from yesterday's game. Looking forward to a game for the division title in the two seed next Sunday night in Miami. Uh, all those things and whatever else might be on your mind uh, up for discussion at 803-0550. Happy New Year, everyone. Mike Shope is off today along with Zach Jones. I'm the Bulldog, and you're listening to WGR. Zappy in the shotgun, six on the play clock, takes the snap. Pressure coming, and he's wrapped up and sacked. Ed Oliver, ride him, Cowboy, as he now has nine and a half on the season. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 